Doing that uh, podcast thing, heavy metal over a six pack. Uh-huh. Thanks for listening. Ta-da. Today, we're gonna drink beer first. Yep, I'm excited. No, it's time for the happiest sound in the world. I hope this isn't frozen. It feels very cold. It didn't explode, so that's usually a good sign. That it's frozen or that uh, rig them? No, no, no. Like, usually, like, when you, um... Listening pleasure. Usually, if uh, it explodes, it means it's, like, frozen. Have you ever gotten, like, a road soda out of, like, a convenience store and, like, that was, like, partially frozen and blows up in your car and now everything smells like alcohol when it's not supposed to smell like alcohol at all? Can't say I have. When... No. I definitely can't say I have. All right, so I'm on an island here. I understand. <laughs> it's fine. That's fine, boys. That's fine. We're all... Well, I'm the only degenerate in the room. Yeah, okay, boys. Okay. For your information, I drink responsibly. (laughs) Yeah, like it says on every container ever. That's totally. You talking about the surgeon general? The surgeon general's one? No, that's the pregnant one. That doesn't count. (laughs) The pregnant surgeon general. The pregnant general. (laughs) Hey, Anthony, tell us what we got. We have a beer. Sweet. Ah. Let's drink it. Uh, When I went down to (laughs) New Hampshire, um, I was down. Whatever, up, down. <laughs> when I went sidewards to China, um, I was in the market for a new beer to kind of try for myself personally, not necessarily just for this podcast. So technically, I have already had this disclaimer, but I wanted to share it with the, the gentleman Blast here and anyone else. Uh, and the gentleman at the liquor store actually recommended uh, the 603 Brewery. And it is a summertime session ale. And in this beer, you will taste bright citrus notes with a refreshingly crisp finish. 4.5%. And that's all this can can tell you. Sweet deal. Cheers, cheers. Cheers, cheers. It's been a while since we had one that's been crushable. It's, it's light. Mm. I don't normally like sessions as this I is a sessions. session, but I think this one is light enough and it's definitely a summertime one, I feel. But I enjoy it. It's very nice. It's like, it's like enough citrusy to be interesting, but not overbearing. Mm-hmm. But it's got some flavor to it. It's not like boring. It's not like that it's kind smooth of. It's throughout. It's not like stale, like. No offense to the Bud Light, but you know what I mean? Oh, no, full offense to the Bud Light. <laughs> but no, I mean, uh, seriously, though, like, I mean, Bud Light, obviously, is something you can just drink and, you know, shit everywhere, but, like, at least <laughs> this has some flavor to it. At least you can shit everywhere with flavor with this beer. <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> no, I like it. It's uh, it is light. It's smooth. It does have that session flavor mm-hmm. that a lot of people don't like. Yep. But I actually really do like. It's like a, I don't know. I like. I kind of prefer sessions to most IPAs because they're usually fruity and easier to drink. Usually, like lighter than said IPA. Yeah. Then said IPA. IPA. I got you. I but got you. It does. It just kind of. It's light at first, and then it's flavorful, and then it's smooth. It has a smooth finish. There's no bite. You don't feel like you're getting punched in the throat. You don't get a whole bunch of malty grossness aftertaste on your tongue. It's good. No, it's a sweet drink. I, I'd go four or five on that one. Four or five? Okay. Maybe five. Yeah, I'm going to go five. Well, in that case, I'm going to keep four or five. How dare you? I'm going to go five, five. Oh, ooh, ooh, ah, you went five anyway. <laughs> I'm leaving you guys out. Don't worry. Damn. Well, good choice, man. Good choice. Summertime. Summertime. I feel like we have these, like, waves where it's just all gross. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes it's nice to just break away. At least so you know what you're dipping into and it's not so bad, like. It's like we need to uh, reassure ourselves that we are actually sane people and we there is good beer in the world. Yeah, right? This is a palate cleanser. Palate cleanser, yes. <laughs> Don't know why we had to pick on gonna, poor Bud Light back there, but we're gonna have to we're gonna have to like categorize all the different beers, you know, like gross hey, this is like one, gross two. This is this is beers we probably think we're gonna like. These are beers we know we're definitely not gonna like, but we're gonna try them anyway. I like the cannoli one. <laughs> we don't talk. As about soon as that. I smelled it, I was like, nope. I was gonna say we have recorded history of everything we've tried. Technically, right? yes. What was the one that you said? If you go to our webpage, and oh, the beers it was tab. uh, it was a uh, long hoppy summer that. Tasted like the way a puzzle smells, according to Probably, Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, you missed you missed out on our, our barrel aged stout that we had last Ugh. week. That was a week. Yeah, that was rough. I'm so sorry, I missed out. So it's like that weird spicy Yahoo thing. It's just Yoo-hoo, whatever. Spicy Yahoo. Yoo-hoo. <laughs> my apologies. <laughs> Yoo-hoo. Do my chocolatey drink correct? Alrighty, nice job. Heavy metal headlines. Let's do it. In the world of stuff, you guys, are you guys willing or would like to or in the market to sell, well, no, I'm sorry, to buy something for $14,000? Oh, is this where me and Mark have to go head to head and guess what it is? (laughs) And what Technically, would... he knows part of it. Oh. I already said it. I mean, if you want to give it a shot, it's you know what? I'm going to give you the same hint I gave him. Technically, it's Kurt Cobain related. For $14,000. Better not be a chunk of carpet. <laughs> <laughs> Who's carpet? Uh, oh. Moving on. Um, oh. Kurt Cobain. Love that. Huh? Is it a... I feel like one of Kurt Cobain's guitars would sell for way more than fourteen thousand dollars, right? Um, you would think. Uh oh. But, but, apparently, in comparison to like said item, you would need to uh, spend like probably half a mil to get a Kurt Cobain gu- guitar. Probably. Yeah. <clears throat> but I won't play spoiler any further. I'll let Anthony do his story. Moment over there. Yeah, go for it. So, uh, the bidding for this opened on May 6th, and the locks 
which were snipped from Cobain's head by a friend when he was touring Bleach in the UK in 1989, have now been sold for exactly $14,145. Uh, uh, I like what you did there. See? Yeah, so if like that's your thing. If you does like hair. does hair like deteriorate? No. I don't think so. So it just like stays forever. Like yeah, people think it keeps growing after you die, and it doesn't. Your no. your skin just falls off, so it looks longer because your follicles go so deep. Yeah, it's good. It's good to know. <laughs> In case you want any some... other dead dead people, <laughs> some necro stuff info. you need to know. Yeah, that's why I have like I have like blonde hair, but if I get like a haircut, like my hair falls to the floor, and it, like it turns like almost like a really dark black color, like it like the soul like just got cut off <laughs> cut off from it. It's kind of weird. I'm just not sure how to. Well, that's what I'm saying. So, like, I wonder, I, Are I you wonder. A witch? I... <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> but it would explain a lot of the occurrences <laughs> it would, in my life. <laughs> it would answer a lot of questions. Not that, not that I'm aware of. <laughs> I'd say uh, anything's possible. Yeah. Can you imagine you're doing a world tour and one of your bum ass friends just comes up behind you with a pair of scissors and fucking cuts a piece of your hair? That's what we got to do. Whenever we get people out, we better start fucking taking hair. Start... Because then we get shit like this. I'm just big I'm just money. taking random shit. I'm like, give me your shoe. Well, you remember like the old school like jackasses? They would just walk around with like the clippers. Yeah. Like, there, there's yeah. hair everywhere yeah. of like all like random people. Yeah, I don't think anyone's paying for Johnny Knoxville's hair though. No, not even Johnny Knoxville. Well, I don't know. Like you bring this shit to auction, man. Like people will buy anything apparently. Yeah, it's true. Well, this was technically sold on iconic. I'm sorry, on the iconic auctions house. That's why I started selling my bathwater. Same. <laughs> it's true. People That's a so whole gross. different thing. Oh. And it's probably the same amount of money. Why do people do these things? Because they're gross. Humans are fucking weird, Aren't man. They? Um, so, you guys want to talk about Vince Neil next? Uh, <laughs> oh, I just made a horrible reference. So, like, wow, two singers that have Vince away. Neil has played his first concert since the pandemic. And it did not go well. It didn't? No. This is, yeah, actually, this, is, this is literally the title. And mind you, so he performed his first solo gig. Wasn't even like Motley Crue. Couldn't even get carried. So Uh-oh. so they played Motley Crue songs. Um uh, let's see let's see uh, open with looks that kill, then Dr. Feelgood, and through though Vince's vocals on Dr. Feelgood didn't sync to Rock in Rio 2015 lows, the performance wasn't among the cruise cruise singer's strongest. Now they also covered uh, the Beatles' "Helter Skelter," mm. which then he just kind of like forgot the words. Oh, so he was like struggling to keep up with the rest of the band. Oh no! Oh, we get to listen to it. Perfect. Uh-oh. I figured I'd put it on in the background yeah, for, for ourselves. Live right. action review. Nope. Uh, it sounds like he is. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, even better. Um, he was reading the lyrics that his roadies taped on the floor while Vince left for a well-needed break. <laughs> so even better. A well-needed break? What well, does that mean? Yeah, is he like doing cardio? 73 years old. Yeah. That's not true. I don't... So, I guess, uh, 14 songs into the solo set, he gave up while singing Girls, Girls, Girls. His voice completely shot. He walked off stage mid-song. 
saying, hey guys, I'm sorry you guys, it's been a long time playing, my fucking voice is gone. Uh, we love you all, and uh, hope to see you next time, man, thank you. And then the rest of the band just continued to perform without him. <laughs> what? Uh-huh. Yeah, listen to the background singers versus him, like, they're like, clean, crisp. Yeah. He's like, yeah, just can't do it, man. I don't think he's. Uh... All right, I don't know Vince Neil, and he made it. Supposedly, so... he's been doing cardio and supposed to be better than like the two, that old performance and but stuff. But is he but... doing vocal exercises because he's still singing the same way? And like, like cardio has nothing to do with you. <laughs> vocal no, range. not at all. So like, and so like it. It has everything to do with with your warm up and your cool down after a show. Like if your voice is gone in a show, like you're pushing too hard. You know, like everybody has everybody has that song in their range. They're like, all right, this song's like top of my range. You know, but like that means you don't play that song every night of your show. Like you save it. You right, know, right? Like, no, exactly. But it's like it it just sounds, and this is totally outside looking in. I know nothing about. Vince Neil, other than the the horrible video I saw in 2015, and this now, but it just sounds like he's not using any kind of technique. It sounds like his lyrics have always kind of been forced. So if he's, and we we've talked about it a little bit, like Vince has never been like a like a good singer, like right. and I mean, but it's the rest of the band, like the the application of the song, like the songs are good, and he does fine with it. But, like, he's never been... Yeah, he's done. Everybody else is still going. Yeah. <laughs> Backup vocals and everything. He's like, yeah. We'll that just... is so awkward. That is a nightmare for the, the, the promoter that put that on. But, like... Why wouldn't, like, one of the backup guys just, like, take over and be like, don't worry, I got this. Yeah, and if if this is a recurring issue, I don't understand why he doesn't have, like, a background singer, like, even somebody with a secondary microphone behind him to carry him or something right. off stage. And, and, like, but then that leads to the question, like, when do you stop? Now. I'd say maybe no, it's just really, the fact though. that he's, like, 73 years old. It's like, dude. But that's, I mean, that's not even the thing. There's, I mean, I went to see Def Leppard yep. three years ago. Yep. And the thing is, is he can't hit the high notes, but he knows that. So when he goes to the certain parts, he just changes it a little bit. Yeah. Which is fine. Yeah, tone it down. Like, I get it. Like, don't make it bad. Just Vocal. make it good Vocals in the way that time. works for you. Right. Like, it's just how it works. You know right. what I mean? I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I mean, really, when you say, like, you know, how, at what point do you pack it in? It's like, well, what is he trying to gain from this? Right. Because if he's trying to do a comeback tour... I think he's a couple decades late, first of all. He's supposed to be touring with a crew in 22. Yeah, with, um, with Poison, Death Leopard. Death Leopard and Poison. <sighs> Which was supposed to happen last year, and that got rescheduled to like 22. So he's supposed to still go out I with mean, Motley Crue. And it's to like... follow up with the, the, the oldness thing, I mean, I saw Ario. Well, with Def Leppard, I saw Ario Speedwagon. And I mean, I know he passed away a few years ago, but. He was up there. He had the white hair. Mm-hmm. Sounded exactly like they do on the albums and stuff. Yep. Like, you know what I mean? So, I mean, it's not even an age thing. I just I just don't think he's kept up and exactly. taken care of his voice. Exactly. And that's a big thing. Your, your voice... Like anything. Any any vocal coach would tell you that your voice is a muscle just like anything else. Yeah, if you don't use it enough, it gets weak. If you're not going to sing every single day of your life, mm-hmm. stop singing. Right. I mean, like, you, that's you literally to, what vocal gotta... coaches tell people all the time. Like, hey, if you're not going to sing and do these techniques every day, stop. Right. Because you're not going to get better. Exactly. You're, you're just going to decline. Mm-hmm. So, 
I truth, I mean, look, we've seen, we've heard the stories, we've seen all the, all the, you know, we've seen the dirt and mm-hmm. all these things that kind of reenact all these things that they were doing. They're living off of alcohol and cocaine every single night, constant parties. Mm-hmm. And back then, they didn't have, uh, I mean, obviously audio quality was there, but like live performances and stuff, like they didn't, it wasn't the same. Like, I feel like you could get away with a lot more because it was a lot more showmanship stuff. Sure. And it was a lot more things that hadn't been done yet. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like we got technical as we got older, and I just feel like they missed that wave. He missed that wave. He right. never never got the techniques down. And so he's already starting kind of behind the eight ball, and then everything else getting thrown at him the way it has over the years, I just think it's kind of... I just think it's one of those things, man. You just you got to know when to hang it up. Yeah, or at least know your Fortunately. limitations. And exactly. maybe not even hang it up, but just like, hey, I'm going to do one song a year, or, you know, one performance or something. Promoters need to uh, stop paying him. Probably. But yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's tough. In my opinion. <laughs> it's always tough seeing, like, vocalists decline, you know, but, but that's why it's so important to, to stay on your craft. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to, you literally have to maintain your vocal cords. You mm-hmm. have to ma- and make sure you're not, and if you're pushing your voice too much, you know, you get those nodes or anything like that. If you have to get vocal surgery, like, you're, you're numbering your days. Mm-hmm. So... I just think that there's a lot of bad habits that kind of formed early on in those days that he could get away with when he was younger, and mm-hmm. I, I, I just don't think it's there anymore. I agree. Uh, moving on to other lead singers and new singers, um, we're all aware of the band Bad Wolves, <clears throat> and that Tommy Vex is no longer in there. Uh, yeah, which is... Uh, they are officially welcoming... Well, I'm sorry. Welcome, welcome celebrated singer-songwriter... Daniel D.L. Laskowitz as a new lead singer following Mr. Tommy Vex from his departure, which we've discussed before. Um, so, and I did the research on this because, like, I know Tommy Vex's vocal range from the song. I mean, he has a very good vocal range. He has the screams. I mean, he can sing very well. And so... I kind of went into who this guy was. He was the ex-lead singer of the Acacia Strain. Oh, uh, guitarist. He was a guitarist for Acacia Strain. Oh, he was a guitarist. Yeah. I didn't even know. 2011-2013, he was a, 2011, 2013, he okay. was a guitarist for Acacia Strain. Ah, okay. Which, I mean... Which I'm trying to think, that really huge guy? No. He no. looks like Triple H, though. Okay. Tell me he doesn't look like Triple H. Because Acacia Strain was like that, like that. That was like a comic book on stage. You had this really big, massive dude, like this little twig yeah. of guitar, and this <laughs> tiniest little guy you've ever seen in your life with this big ass long bass. It, <laughs> like, like it kind of looks more like Big Show. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Yeah, with the shaped head. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I've heard, I've read comments and stuff. I tried to look it up. Um. So, people say he has a good voice, but I don't, I have nothing to, I can't find anything to... No to, reference. Um, according to this, he's carved out an impressive career for himself over the last 15 plus years, most notably as the founding member and lead guitarist for metalcore band The Acacia Strain. Uh, he was a member since 2001 to 2013, a talented songwriter and producer. He's also worked on projects with All The Remains, Legion... For the Fallen Dreams and collaborated with Bad Wolves on their 2019 studio album, Nation, where evidently obviously the band was from. 
Uh, they are working on their third album, which is called Dear Monsters. And of course, they say that it's the best Bad Wolves album to date. Aren't they all? Which, if we've learned anything from that statement, it's uh, I want a band to come out one day and be like, this is the worst piece of shit we've ever written, but we're going to release well, it because like, you mean, guys will buy it. No, but I, I'll bring it up again. Chevelle. Chevelle had that whole thing like, hey man, we had trouble writing this. So we think it's going to be our last ones. I mean, if you guys like it, we might do more. And they've topped number one on charts. Like three songs on the entire album. It's like, were, oh, okay. Because <laughs> they were real. Yeah. You know, they're straight up about it. Uh-huh. Just, man. It's like, haha, you have to make more <laughs> you music. You have to make another one. <laughs> Damn it. So that will be interesting. I mean, I'm a curious, you know, koala. So, I mean, I'll definitely check it out. But, like anything, it's going to be really awkward for him to sing Remember When, given the fact that it was literally about Tommy Vex's brother and he wrote that whole thing about that. That's well, so that's, that's always what I think is weird about writing music with people when when bandmates split is like, yeah. like well this song kind of doesn't mean this anymore. <laughs> like you're kind of asking the band to do a lot <clears throat> to play that song again. You know I don't know. I was interesting. I, I haven't really been following that story too much, but part of that post too is that they said like, you know we're like disheartened to know what Tommy said about our separation or whatever, and like it's not. It's like they're still going back and forth with like the he said she said yeah. stuff. Well, that's like anything. Yeah, and I think Tommy just went on tour, like on his solo stuff, with you know some people and like when the the mask mandate was up and stuff, and I guess it went very well from what I understand. He's been a part of the music scene for so He's long. He's gone through like nine bands. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> I was crazy. actually I was actually gonna say I like. I think Tommy Vex is very talented, but I don't think he's like his voice isn't uncreatable. No, like and, like and, and, I, and I get that. Like because he had like the stint like with one album with um Divine Heresy, which is probably like my first experience with like anything Tommy Vex related. Mm-hmm. I found that band because of uh, Dino Cavalli. Uh, Cav- yeah, it's the same guitarist. Cavalli. And uh, like he was replaced after like an album or two, or he replaced mm-hmm. some. I, I honestly forget the order. Yeah, but it's like it's not uncreatable. No. It's just, it's interesting. I, it's just more or less where the lead singer is coming from. It's just, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I did definitely would not have seen that coming. Like Acacia Train, Bad Wolves. I don't, I don't <laughs> that doesn't, um, that doesn't line up for me. Acacia. Uh, I even like listen to like some of the newer stuff to see if there's any clean vocals, but there's not. It's still all, I'm pissed and here's my giant bass. Like, must be a local guy then. They're from uh, Springfield. Yeah. yeah. Sneaky, uh, sneaky famous. Uh, before we get into my last um, article, I want to bring up something that I found, and it's more of a personal thing, but I mean, I found it kind of interesting. Talking about lead singers and, and where they end up. So, I brought up my band, The Confession, right? I know Marcus has listened to them. So, Taylor Holland Armstrong, the lead singer, is, I mean, probably one of my top vocalists. I think he's just got a range of everything. He's got the side project with what she's done with the um, Sons of the Damned. And then, like, he, they disappeared. Like, and I was kind of... I keep an eye to make sure there's no new stuff coming out. Right. And I actually found him on Instagram. Come to find out, he created, a, like, a hairdresser studio called Holland Style. So that's what he does professionally. He does... Hair. Hair. It's just weird. Like, I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't... Because originally, I found 
that he's been working on a new project called uh, Chains, and they released a new song, Parasite, which I was like, it's like heavy as shit. And I was like, okay, cool, new stuff. But then, like, going in more into it, it's like, oh, and he has, like, the styling thing. And, like, he's, like, really popular with it. I'm just like, huh, interesting. I mean, I guess where you where you find your feet, that's fine, I guess. Like, I mean, to each his own. I'm not, I'm right? not, I'm not yucking on the yeah, end. Yeah, no, but it's like, just surprising. It's just unexpected. It's not typical. Part. Right. You know. That's all I have for that. That's my side, sidecar. Yeah, the, uh, the Ice Nine Kills dude has like a, uh, a, um, a clothing company. A clothing company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fashion. I feel like very fashionable. I feel like musicians kind of always realize that like the the musicianship world ebbs and flows financially. You know, so oh, yeah. they always kind of venture out on different things. Like, I think of like uh, you know Maynard with his vineyards and like how Chester Bennington was uh, Maynard. Maynard. Whatever, I'm still gonna say it. Yeah. <laughs> Nerds. Uh, Chester with Nerd his dog. like tattoo companies and stuff, you know, and like I feel like they all kind of like try to branch out into different things to have some kind and of residual I, and I'm, income. Well, I'm, I'm wondering if it's more almost like it's almost like a like a fallback, in theory, because we all know the music industry is never just straightforward. It's always gonna. It's like anything else. I mean. It's a bad example, but think of it as like a serving job because you never know what the day's going to be like. You may make a shit ton of money today. You may not make money for a whole week. You don't know. So, right. and, and I guess it's good to have that fallback. You can also use it because like you, you, you got to assume like when you become like a famous musician, it's like, well, now you have like a little bit of a following and like an influence. You can do this like a little startup and like sure. you're going to get like that little extra kick versus right. somebody being like off the side of the street and like being like... <laughs> I'm buying your wine, bro. You well, suck. yeah. Like, I mean, would you Fuck rather you, try the? <laughs> I mean, if you're in the store, oh well, yeah, his wine too. Hundred and forty-eight dollars a bottle, I think it was. Is it? That doesn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. Douche. But and it's just <laughs> one of those things. You put a name on something, like anything. I mean, look what is it? Coach. A coach bag is absurd no. amounts of money, but it does the same thing as any other bag. <laughs> so it's just it's all the name, man. Like, and that's yeah, it's just interesting. Mm, All right, Marcus. Moving on to your favorite band in the world. My favorite band in the world. I love my we, favorite. We've bands discussed in the world. Gojira, but they are crowned the band of the decade uh, in the that. new issue of Metal Hammer. Band of the decade. decade. So they revealed how they made the most important metal album ever. I promise I'm not going to rant about this today. They're I on the I cover. S- <laughs> I, I swear. I swear. They are on swear. the cover. Uh, the new album, Fortitude. Is one of the most vital releases of 2021. See if I can go for Marcus or something. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I just don't. I just. I, I really don't understand it. That's all. That's all I'm gonna say about that. That album that I reviewed. There's that song that like li- literally sounds like you. They recorded it on an iPod, like iPhone. <laughs> oh. Yeah. It's like I. I just don't get it. I know. I know it's like a freaking like cult following kind of thing, but it's like, what are we doing? <laughs> Dave, you listen to Gojira? I, I bet you, I bet you're a big Gojira guy. Yeah, I'm definitely not. <clears throat> Every time someone says Gojira, I automatically think of the 2000s Godzilla film and uh, Gojira. That's what yeah, it's from. <laughs> I know, but every time it's like I just picture everyone. When everyone says it, I just picture that guy in the back of the taxi cab raining Gojira. <laughs> <laughs> Gojira. You're not wrong. 
And I kind of get a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. But yeah, any Gojira fans out there, your, your people have made evidently the most important metal album. Now, why is there only two dudes on the cover? Because that's all it is. Oh, really? I don't know that. I made that up. Oh, I was like, oh, shit. I'm like, oh, look at you guys go. Maybe they're the founding members. I don't know. Oh, uh, here they are. Okay, was, there was four of them. Is all the four of them. <clears throat> Ugly mofos, too. Not good-looking people. <laughs> oh, they're, they are French, so. No. No offense. That says but... a lot. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't, French people haven't been known for good looks, to be completely honest with you. Uh, they're good fries, though. So see, uh, see nat- the natural sweater in the winter sure. is always helpful, too. And bread, baguettes. Oh. And also, my dog is barking, so that's also pretty cool. Wine. Maybe Bledsoe could sell his wine to French people. Maybe that's what he's been doing this whole time. <laughs> that's how he made his money. He cornered the market. Uh, all right. I think we got a main event topic today. Uh-huh. <laughs> Heavy opinions. I'm Today we're going to do some research and some discussion. A little more than, I mean, we've brought it up before and stuff, but I I would like to go in a little bit because of a situation that has occurred uh, with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, I will go into a quick quick summary of of kind of what it is. and uh, The foundation itself was established in 1983. By Emmett Artigan. Probably said wrong, but that's fine. He assembled a team, quote unquote, that includes Rolling Stone publisher Jean S. Wiener, definitely Wiener, but I'm going to go with Wiener, uh, record record, exclu- record executive Seymour Steen, and um, Bob Krasnow and Noreen Woods, and attorneys Alan Grubman and Susan Evans. Keep all this in mind. Um, so essentially when it was formed, it didn't actually have a home until, you know, I mean, it considered different cities, blah, 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 blah. Um, but I guess Cleveland lobbied for the museum, quote unquote, $65 million for the construction and citing that WJW disc jockey Alan Freed both coined the term rock and roll and heavily promoted the new genre. So does make sense. Um, you know, Cleveland rocks. <laughs> it's sure. How come that show's not on any streaming platform? By the way, does it suck? <laughs> Dude, there's a couple episodes garbage. that I thought were awesome. Actually, I didn't mind the Drew Carey show. Yeah. Um. But we digress. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's fine. <laughs> but essentially, you know, it, essentially, that's kind of how it sort of came to be. Obviously, in Cleveland being the, um, that so <laughs> that <the> first. <laughs> Uh, the groundbreaking ceremony took place on June 7, 1993. Pete Townsend, Chuck Berry, Billy Joel, Sam Phillips, Ruth Brown, Sam Moore, and Sam and Dave. Oh, sorry, of Sam and Dave. Carl Gardner and the Coasters. And Dave Punier of Soul Asylum all appeared at the groundbreaking. Soul Asylum. How fucking random is that? That's the one, like, at the time, whatever, modern band. So... Is that like uh, like like all your weight? No, I'm sorry, I'm stupid. What? Ignore that completely. <laughs> did you just have a stroke. I did. Die old <laughs> <laughs> what? Is... No, please just. Does the CIS, <laughs> Does the CIS <laughs> push your button by accident? For the love of God, can we just keep going? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <we're gonna move laughs> on. yeah. Okay, Mark. Okay. 
Um, so since 1986, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has selected new inductees. The formal induction ceremony has been held in New York City 26 times, uh, twice in Los Angeles, and five times in the Hall of Fame's home of Cleveland. That's your problem And as right of there. 2018, the induction ceremonies alternate each year between New York and Cleveland. Like yeah. PAX. Anyway. Um, so the 2019-2012 induction weeks were made possible by public-private partnership between the City of Cleveland and State of Ohio, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and local foundation, corporation, civic organization, individuals. So essentially, they invested $5.8 million in 2009 and $7.9 million in 2012 to produce a week of events, including free concerts, a gospel celebration, exhibition openings, free administration to the museum, and the induction ceremonies at public hall. So that's fun. So essentially, let's see, what did I read? I apologize if I'm making this. So it did start essentially with quote unquote songs that shaped rock and roll in the museum, um, <clears throat> which I mean, it's 500 according to this, and then they added 160. And uh, a small list of artists that have four more songs in this category. The Beatles, The Rolling Stones, Elvis Presley, The Beach Boys, Chuck Berry, Bob Dylan, Led Zeppelin, Bruce Springsteen, Stevie Wonder, David Bowie, James Brown, Ray Charles, The Drifters, Aretha Franklin, Jimi Hendrix, Robert Johnson, The Kinks, Bob Marley, The Miracles, Prince, Muddy Waters, and The Who, and U2. Duh. So this is all the start of said Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Thanks for that. <laughs> so, um, from performers, the nominating committee composed of rock and roll historians selects names for the quote-unquote performers category, singer, vocal groups, bands, and instrumentals of all kinds, which were then voted on roughly by 500 experts across the world. Quote-unquote is very quote unquote uh, those selected to vote include academics, journalists, producers, and others that, with music industry experience. Roadies. <laughs> and groupies. Uh, so, we may or may not know, I think we brought it before, but the artists must, um, they become eligible for induction 25 years after the release of their first record, essentially is, is the, the base uh, criteria includes the influence and significance of the artist's contribution to the development and perpetuation of rock and roll. Keep that in mind. Uh, block approval voting is used uh, with those nominees who receive the most votes being inducted, subject to a minimum of 50% approval. Around 5-7 to seven performers are inducted each year. Um, so then they started adding a few things where six additional groups were inducted as performers by a special committee due to the controversial exclusion when their lead singer was inducted, I guess. So now the band and the lead singer are now separated. So that's fun. <laughs> so there's a lot more to this than evidently Ugh. is the thing. Uh, um, so these are the three, is it this one? 
there have always been conversations about why groups weren't included when the lead singers were inducted. Very honestly, nobody could really answer that question. It was so long ago, we decided we sit down as an organization and look at that. That's the result. Might be something worth looking into. <laughs> so, um... This is where prima donnas come from. It's true. Now, this is where the criticism comes into play. <clears throat> and the most frequent criticism of Sid Hall of Fame is that the nomination process is controlled by a few individuals who are not themselves musicians, such as the founder, James Winner, uh, and Susan Evans, and writer, David Marsh, reflecting their personal tastes rather than public opinion as a whole. Um, a former member of the nominations board once commented that, quote, at one point, Susan Evans laminated the choices being made because there weren't enough big names that would sell tickets to the dinner. Uh, that was quickly remedied by dropping one of the doo-wop groups being considered in favor of a name artist. Uh, I saw how certain pioneering artists from the 50s and early 60s were shunned because they needed to be more name power on the list, resulting in 70 superstars getting in before the people made it possible for them. So it was more essentially people at the time as opposed to people who should have been in from beforehand. Which is which we'll get into essentially with some of the articles I've, I've pulled out of the the world. Um, I lost where I was. Yeah, so let's see. Rosa Tharp is often considered the godmother slash grandmother of rock and roll, but was not chosen for induction until 2017. Uh, Velvet Underground drummer Maureen Tucker has dismissed the Hall of Fame as the Hall of Lame. <laughs> despite it um, being inducted a couple years prior to the remark. So we brought up our sort of thoughts on whatnot. and Yeah, we regularly make fun of the Hall. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <sighs> so there was also criticism on the opacity in the selection process. With fame and money at stake, it's no surprise that a lot of backstage lobbying goes on. While any particular act is chosen in any particular year is a mystery to performers as well as outsiders. Uh, and the committee members say they wanted to keep it that way. So even being a performer and being on the list and or dropping block, you really have no idea how you get in. Like, there's no, like... I mean, it tells you, like, the influence and stuff, but in theory, there's really no... It's... It's interesting. <sighs> Uh, John Landu, the chairman of the nominating committee, confirms they prefer it that way. Quote, unquote, we've done a good job of keeping the proceedings non-transparent. <laughs> non it all dies in the room. Oh, good. Yep. Uh, according to the Fox News, because they're like super reputable. It's like, why would you do this? That's none of your business. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, Fox News petitions with tens of thousands of signatures were also being ignored. And some groups that were signed with certain labels or companies or were affiliated with various committee members have ever have ever been put up for nomination with no discussion at all. So mm. that's cool. And they've also been <laughs> has also been accused of largely ignoring certain genres. No <clears throat> oh. rock. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> according to author um, Brett Milano. 
Uh, entire genres get passed over, particularly progressive rock, 60s, top 40, 60s, top 40, New Orleans funk, and a whole lot of black music. It's probably run by a bunch of white dudes. I'm no. Guaranteed. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> no, no. Have not you at all. seen some of the names on the list? These people are pioneers. Um, another criticism is that too many artists are inducted. In 15 years, 97 different artists were inducted. A minimum of 50% of the vote is needed to be inducted. Although the final percentages are not announced and a certain number of <laughs> inductees oh. is set before ballots are shipped. The committee usually nominates a small number of artists, 12 it seems to be the kind of max, uh, from an increasing number of different genres. Several voters, including Joel Sevlin, Selvin, sorry, himself, a former member of the nominating committee, did not submit their ballots in 2007 because they did not feel that any of the candidates were truly worthy. I actually enjoy stuff like that because it's yeah. like it should be like a hall of like greatness, not a hall of good. <laughs> Happens in sports all the time. Right. Well, the football hall of good. Well, if it makes you feel better, British punk rock band The Sex Pistols, inducted in 2006, refused to attend the ceremony, calling the museum a piss stain and a urine in wine. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. They just went up in my book. So obviously there's like no, like, there's like no, like, um, that's what I'm looking for, criteria where like, let's say, okay, you get this many votes. That if you're like one of the nominated the nominators, like it's like say it's like any given year you get ten votes. You can just vote whoever the hell you feel like as many times as you want. Like, just put so them to, all up to there. To win, like, someone needs to get at least fifty percent of the votes. Like, sure, we don't That's know what fifty percent is. Exactly right. And because it's kept in a room. I'm I'm gonna let you finish your thought here, but I'm I'm ready to go ham. <laughs> <laughs> I like ham. Oh. I do enjoy ham. <laughs> Ham's nice if it's made correctly. I like to slap it. Um, <laughs> then it go weird. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Weird. Let's see. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of these. And I'm going to roll with this before Dave gets into it. <laughs> I'm going to throw in this and go into my article. Now, in 2018, Bruce Dickinson of Iron Maiden criticized the Hall of Fame by calling it an utter and complete load of bollocks. And for British people, that's That's, that's worse than the F word. Uh, run by a bunch of sanctimonious, bloody Americans who wouldn't know rock and roll if it hit them in the face. Uh, Dickinson also expressed an overall distaste for the Hall of Fame entity, arguing that, quote-unquote, if you put music in a museum, then it's dead. Um... Iron Maiden has technically been eligible since 2004, and which will bring me to this year, the article from Hammer. Iron Maiden failed to make the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So, strange that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame excludes Iron Maiden, and the four that are set for induction are Foo Fighters, the Go Go's. And Tina Turner. That was three. Yeah, my math is... <laughs> I went to culinary school in that math school. You're right. Oh, I'm sorry. And Jay-Z. That's the one I missed. Oh, my God. <clears throat> well, Foo Fighters make money. Lots and lots of money. Yeah. So, technically, this would be the first time they've been nominated. Even though they should have been... They were eligible 15 years ago, 16 years ago. 17 years ago, sorry. 
And they lost out to Tina Turner, Foo Fighters, Jay-Z, The Go-Go's, uh, Carol King, and Todd Rudgren as well. 16 acts this year were nominated. The others that didn't make the cut include Rage Against the Machine, New York Dolls, Kate Bush, Kella Cootie, Devo, not that Devo, or Devo, I guess, and Deanna Warlick and LL Cool J are the ones. And evidently, the... Rock and roll. I definitely lost what I was looking for. Here we go. So this one, this is the article that came after. That the rock and roll of Hall of Fame boss defends the Iron Maiden snub. Um, there's no, uh, quote unquote, there's no doubt they are an influential band, says Hall of Fame President Greg Harris. As Gene Simmons described Iron Maiden's exclusion as disgusting. Um, so, speaking on U.S. radio, Greg Harris said, There's no doubt that they are impactful, influential band, and that's why they were nominated this year along with 15 other artists and acts. So we're not questioning, are they, impo- are they an important band? Are they in- they're, not, yeah, they're not questioning those three things. Um, obviously, like we said, they weren't the only metal bands to lose out that year. But according to Harris, over 80% of artists who were nominated are eventually inducted into the Hall of Fame. That's me reading. 80%? Uh-huh. And he quoted, everybody has their favorites. Everybody has different artists that impacted them or impacted other artists, he said. So if you look at this list, you can make that case for all these folks. Just like people that make that case for Iron Maiden. He also responded to the suggestion that the organization should rename itself the Music Hall of Fame, which we've discussed as well. Yes. Which would make a lot more fucking sense. Um, given that, obviously, they induct artists from other genres, which, I mean, Jay-Z's in there, so... Hello, cool Jay's in there. Whitney Houston. You know what I mean? Like, it's... And, like, I, I understand the influential thing, but it's not... The rock, you know what I mean, like, and and it's it's kind of one of those gray area things, and I understand that. And this is what he said. I hope you're ready for this. I think people need to expand their thinking of rock and roll. It's a big tent. Rock and roll was never just four skinny guys with long hair and guitars. It's always been diverse. We take that interpretation that there are all variants of rock and roll. And I think underneath it, it frequently gets to the hip-hop question because some people are not fans. Well, the fact of the matter is that that ship has sailed. We've included quite a few artists in that canon. It's a Big Ten and everybody fits under it. It's an attitude, it's the spirit, and that's rock and roll. <laughs> but... <laughs> and I'll... Floor is you, gentlemen. That's, that's what I have But to start this. <sighs> I completely agree that like the whole like just music music hall of fame that's like that's the first and foremost because then you know then like you'll you'll at least shut the metalheads up like like at least a little bit say okay you're in the music hall of fame okay that's great it's almost like if they had like a heavy metal hall of fame and Jay Z was up for that because like he had like one track that was like hard EDM or some bullshit that would be like if Michael um, Michael Jordan was in the 
NFL Hall of Fame. Or the MLB, because he played it doesn't mean he was fucking good at it. Right. Same with Tim <laughs> Tebow, right? You know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those things. Wasn't like Barry Sanders, too, right? Didn't he play both? Bernie Sanders? I don't think he played <laughs> But, and that's, it's just, it's a weird, and to change it, I think that would be a better understanding. But it's just going, as we discussed before, that criteria that is just kind of, it's an invisible bar that you're trying to get over, and you don't know where that oh, bar it's is. it's completely political. Unfortunately, the word is political. Like, yeah. there's a bunch of people in a boardroom that get together, say, who's going to sell this out for us? Mm-hmm. And that's that's a big thing, too. Who's going to get us the most views? Mm-hmm. Who's going to get us the most retweets or whatever? Clicks. And, like, we'll we'll start from there. And it's like... It's just like picking the halftime show. So that's when you have things that are like weird, like Black Sabbath is in the Hall of Fame, but not Ozzy Osbourne individually. The guy literally invented heavy metal. <laughs> it's just, it's <laughs> very weird. It doesn't make any sense a lot of the time. Um, I've noticed that a lot of them get inducted after most of them are dead. <laughs> that seems to be a big thing as well. Well, unfortunately, it's 25 years after the first album, so just like a lot of averages, yeah. half of them are gone anyway, right. but unfortunately. I mean, um, Beastie Boys went in a few years ago, but they lost Run DMC afterward. No, not Run DMC. Um, God, I... Yeah, isn't it DMC? So in order to make the Hall of Fame, like not only did you have to have like a storied career, but you have to probably, like, at the time of the inductees, something has to be going on in your world that's drawing attention to yourself that they want to capitalize on. Correct. So, yeah. They they lost DJ. It's like, okay. They got something going on. They got buzz. We can, we can, we can put them in right now. Mm-hmm. Rage Against the Machine? Well, they haven't played in years. Like, they're not controversial anymore, which I honestly don't believe they should be in the Hall of Fame. I don't think they're the greatest of anything, personally. But and that's, that's the thing too, the twenty five years thing. It's like how relevant can you stay a lot of the time? It's twenty five years ago, like nineteen ninety six. Yeah, nineteen ninety six. Twenty five years ago, Eminem released his first album. Yeah. Where's the nomination? Yeah. It's just Well, he's controversial years. and probably pissed off a lot of people in the music. In, so in but Jay Z isn't and Whitney Houston isn't? Well, and LL Cool J, it, like, like, there's all... Well, Jay-Z's got people that can take care of your people. But see, so, <laughs> I, I I want to divert away from any kind of rant possible, but... Well, it'll be interesting. It's like, in, in 2035, like, how are these nominations going to start going? Like, with, like, the artists from, like, 2010 and beyond? Ugh. Like, and Lady it, Gaga and fucking... Katy Perry. Katy Perry. Right. So this is T Swift, man. You got you got all these people that are doing all these closed door meetings, right? We don't know what goes on. We don't know what the criteria is. We don't know who's a part of it. According to their list, it's who, producers, and other people. Well, who the are, owner, dude. <laughs> if you know anything about, and and I'm I'm just, man, I'm gonna try to be as positive as possible. There's a lot of shiesty people in the music scene. And they're all chasing accolades. All of the shysty people that you meet in the music scene are like are chasing titles, right? So if you're a producer, wouldn't you want to be the guy that makes more money on the back end and be like, hey, I'm a producer and I'm part of this group. I produce this album. I want them to push it to the Hall of Fame. That way, more people will, will do more business with me and I can grow my own brand. Like this is... This is shaping up to be, like you said, you know, we, we're not going to touch on the topic, but this is very, very political. This is 
<laughs> Ignoring the popular vote. <laughs> this is well. It's well, I say political. Like I don't mean like Democrat, Republican. Right. I mean like there's a group of people that make all your decisions for you. Exactly. And what you have to do is you have to sway. You have to sway said decision makers. When we do our best, whatever band of certain genre, it's exactly what they do. We are three people in a room. Yes, but we give out the criteria as to why, and we discuss it publicly. Sure, because I like this do. song better than that one. Right. And so there's so much of it that, yes, is interpretive, but... We if, did it because we thought Loudwire's article was stupid. Right. <laughs> that, too. It, it used that, to be, too. It used to be record sales. We started right? our own Hall of Fame because we thought the Hall of Fame was stupid. Well, I mean, that's basically what you need to do. At this point, you need to be like, hey, look, this is the criteria. Whoever meets the criteria, they make it to the Music Hall of Fame. If these people aren't going to do it, then get somebody who is, because this is just pissing people off from every genre. That's all it's doing. And you might perpetuate your little leverage, but for forever, what? Since 86 was their inception, so you're talking over over almost 40 years. Mm-hmm. Almost 40 years of them doing this, of them cornering the market and cornering whatever they want to from this and, and leveraging however what whatever they want to because they can do these backdoor, closed-door meetings. Like, there's an issue here that the people that are are supposed to be respecting the people in the hall don't know what the criteria is for respect for those people. So all you're getting is question marks on the back. Like, that's not good for business and longevity. Like, you need to clarify these things at least for what the criteria are. But the thing is, like, they've actually just told you is, like, they don't care. Right. They're like, well, we don't understand how you come up with this process. And they're like, that's okay. We're fine with that. So I'd be interested to see what would happen if anybody else tried to create a hall. So how much pushback they get from these people. So there's also, according to this... This is the wiki, so, you know, take it with a grain of salt, I guess. There's three other kinds of awards that are given out as well. There's an Early Influences Award. Um, usually includes artists from earlier eras, primarily, primarily country, folk, jazz, and blues, whose music inspired and influenced rock and roll artists, which, I, I, that's fine. Like, that obviously should be a thing. A lot of blues, that's where a lot of the stuff comes from. Um, and then you have the Emmett Edgar... Erdogan Award for Lifetime Achievement, which is formerly known as the Non-Performers Award. Uh, this category encompasses those who primarily work behind the scenes in the music industry, including record labels, songwriters, record producers, disc jockeys, uh, concert promoters, and music journalists. Uh, the category has at least one inductee every year, except 2007 2009. Uh, following the death of the Hall of Fame's co-founder, which is what comes after. So they have that. And they have a third um, award, which is the Award for Musical Excellence, which is formerly the Sideman Award. Or Sideman Award. Uh, this category was intru- uh, introduced in 2000 and honors veteran session and concert players who were selected by a committee composed primarily of producers. The category was dormant from 2004 to 2007, weird, and reactivated in 2008. The honor was renamed the Award for Musical Excellence, 2010. Uh, according to Joel Persimmon, the president of it, uh, this award gives us flexibility to dive into some things and recognize some people who might not ordinarily get recognized. Which I never see anything about those people, anyways. Usually it's just your main inductees, and that's it. 
Um, so it's an interesting point though, like because you know, the other way you can kind of look at this is like so there's a, there's a circuit of like you know award shows that are out there. So like, what's more important to you? Is it more important to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, or is it more important to get a Grammy as an example, like kind of a thing? But maybe they should use that format because you look at the Grammys, they do it in categories. Why can't the Hall of Fame be in categories? Correct. Best rock band, best metal band. Because they don't care what you think. Best, I don't know, nostalgic. Right. You know what I mean? (laughs) Best ska. I wonder who would win that category, best ska band. To be fair, though, the only people that... To be fair. To to be fair. The the only people that really get butthurt about the whole Rock and Roll Hall of Fame people are the hardcore rock and metal people. Like, they're the only ones that are really getting butthurt. Like, a a rap fan doesn't care if their artist gets in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They're not like, ooh. Right, no. But it does make sense. It's like, make it a genre. Like... Maybe it should be criteria. Like, were was your was your record like top forty? Was your record top this? Were did you go platinum? Did you go multi platinum? Did you like, have competition that year? <laughs> and it's the weird thing too, because if you look at like the nominees, they're from all different eras. They don't even keep it generally in the same era. You know what I mean? So obviously, someone like Tina Turner is going to have way more quote unquote plays than someone of. Right. Foo Fighters because they've been around 23 years longer. You know what I mean? So obviously that's a weird thing to throw in there. It's just a bummer because it's pretty much a room of people that are going to pretty much do everything that's in their best interest and they don't really care about the criticism. They're like, well, we've done it this way since the beginning of time and we're fine. We're fine. Well, back then you only had 11 bands. Right? (laughs) So it was a lot easier. Yeah, seriously. I don't know. It's still a joke. That's why we do a Hall of Fame. In the Packy Awards. We do Packy Awards. We do every year. We got to start sending Packy Awards to people. Congratulations. We need a sponsor to send Packy Awards to people. You get a beer. Fucking you beer. get a beer. You get a beer. You get a beer. <laughs> and you get a beer. You get out of my house. Yeah. <laughs> you won't leave. You gots to go. Oh, Hall of Fame. You give us so so many reasons to make fun of you. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. I do appreciate the fact that like some of the larger artists though, <laughs> are like, yeah, I could really care less about the Hall of Fame or they get inducted. It's like, I'm not going there. Can you imagine the Sex Pistols? Like, that can't be their crowd. No. no at all. <laughs> Like especially now, like they're all probably like run down. And... I wonder, I wonder who got the talking to when the Sex Pistols went off. Like who in the who in the next board meeting was like shunned. Like Terry, <laughs> how could you? You made right. us look so foolish. You're fired. <laughs> well, now did they get inducted officially, or did they just get nominated? I, I forget. Right. Uh, so, I'm not sure, honestly, on that one. Trying to find it real quick, but it doesn't matter. But even still, it's like. That's fine. If you don't agree with it, if they're going to give you an award, then don't go. That's fine. It's like, and anyone who says rock and roll is a mentality, that oh, good grief, man! I could, I could go on a rant with just about that. <laughs> like, wait, hold on. Definition God. of rock and roll. I want to see if it says mentality. Okay, <clears throat> rock and roll noun. A type of popular dance music originating in the 1950s, characterized by a heavy beat and simple melodies. 
Rock and roll is an amalgam of black rhythm and blues and white country music, usually based on a 12-bar structure and instrumentation of guitar, bass, and drums. Are there any country singers in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? <clears throat> oh, God, there has to be. There must be. But, like, of notoriety. Like, I don't... Like, is George Strait... He hasn't even made an album since, like, the 60s? I don't know. Now, in this definition, I did not see anything about mentality, but I did, <laughs> I did, did, did notice... The inclusion of instrumentation like guitar, bass, and drums. I also appreciate the uh, heavy beat and simple melodies dig right there. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's pretty funny. We can go around telling bands that they're rock and roll now. <laughs> You're rock and roll. So if a rap artist is considered... Having instrumentation of guitar... Ba- I mean, I understand the sampling thing. Well, so before we... Climb that anyhow. It it makes me question also, right? Because, like, were some of these artists told, like, hey, the criteria for getting into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is just that you have to have at least one song like this. It doesn't have to be a good song. Like, look at Lil Wayne's entire rock album. That thing plummeted. <laughs> that thing did not go well at all. <laughs> but he's playing guitar, and he's, you know, got, like, it's, it's rock-sounding music. But it wasn't good rock sounding music, but all of his other music is notorious, you know? So is it like a is it like a little niche genre where like, hey yeah, like we did everything pop punk our whole career and then release this one basement sounding rock song on this album uh, as a hidden track and because of that we met the criteria to go in. Right. Like I just feel like it just it spits in the face of all the people that are actually trying to embody the rock and roll lifestyle throughout their careers. Like it's a very gray area. <laughs> Extremely gray area. Yeah. Alright. I have something to round out okay. everything. Okay. We'll have some fun at the end here. Oh boy. Uh, to pull us out of the sinkhole we've fallen in. So this I mean I'm fine, but okay. <laughs> someone might not be though. This is ten crazy facts about music in general. Oh, so, Leo Fender is known to us as the genius inventor of legendary electric guitars. Obviously, Stratocaster, Telecaster, Fender. I mean, that's the name. Um, obviously, they've been played by the most famous string heroes in the world. Um, Fender itself has written music history with these axes. The ironic fact is that the guy who made it can't play the guitar. Uh, Actually, it doesn't surprise me one bit. At all. Because he's an engineer, not a musician. Yeah, like, did, like, the electronics and measurements, figured out, like, yeah. the, chord, the chord scale of progression and, like, whatnot. Like, did all of that. Like, tension this, 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 and this. Like, it was probably, like, some super smart ass that couldn't hold the tune to save his life. But he's like, but I got my buddy George over here. <laughs> here, George. Oh, uh-huh. I shouldn't have did that. Yeah, careful. That was terrible. Careful. Oh, God. Uh, number two. A jackhammer creates a volume level of 120 dB. Decibels? Decibels. Which is no problem for Man of War. For an appearance at the Magic Circle Festival in 2008, the heavy metal, give or take, band developed extra special amplifiers that can blow a spectacular 139 into the audience ears. Also, the result, the official Guinness World Record. Bleeding eardrums. <laughs> yeah. It's not really a band I want to listen to that loud, yeah. but it's fine. 
Hey, guys, grab that microphone. Bring it over to the jackhammer. I like me loud music, but <laughs> not that skull um, piercing. Like, when you walk out of the venue and you're going, Ooh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you I mean, you well. go to the bathroom and you're in the woofer. Yeah, I get it. Um, <laughs> whoop, 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 whoop. Huh? <laughs> so, number three, because um, we all love Barry Manilow. Love him. The song that he wrote called I Write the Songs is obviously one of his most famous songs par excellence. In 1976, he stormed the Billboard charts. 1977, he was awarded a Grammy for Song of the Year. The Paradox? He didn't write that song. (laughs) (laughs) Always mess with their minds. Always. Uh, You gentlemen should like this one. So, according to a French study... Uh, loud music stimulates drinking. No. While, while a man needs an average of 15 minutes for a beer while listening to soft music, he needs just 12 minutes with loud music. 12 minutes? Mm-hmm. Good grief. What am I supposed to do with the other 11 minutes? I was going to say. <laughs> that's, a lot, that's a lot of carrying around with an empty can. I was like, I, you might get like six to eight minutes out of me on a, I don't know, on a good day, <laughs> on a slow day. You're right. Uh, number five, the longest national anthem in the world comes from anybody. Are we talking like United States national anthem or like anywhere in the world? Sweden. Uh, I have honestly no idea. It's Greece. It has a whopping 158 verses. What the fuck? To make it through the whole thing demands true Southern serenity. And honestly, we're not entirely sure if anyone has made it to the end. Does anyone do even listen just, to it? Do they just so, like, re- when they first did the Olympics was, like, the first day, like, dedicated to, like, <laughs> the, the, the anthem, and it's like, let's go! That would be, like, <laughs> us if we just read the whole Constitution. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of, like, like well, just give me a couple minutes. I feel like Julius Caesar just told some poor Aaron boy, like, hey. Play man, they created writing, they're gonna fucking use it. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, you need to write a poem about this Take country. a note. <laughs> Once in this great land. <laughs> just keeps going. They have to swap them out because they keep dying. Now before, let me let me pre- pre- predate this by saying, I was born. And... <laughs> it's like, let's go. It's kind of like when they drag out like the freaking national anthem like the Super Bowl. It's like, let's fucking oh, I hate go. That. When artists are like, I want to make it my own, I'm going to hold all the notes. And you're like, not even doing it live anymore. It was That's that one completely girl who did it really bad at the basketball game. I forget who it was. Fergie. <laughs> was it Fergie? Yeah. Fergie. Fergie was And horrible. you can see the guys are like... Like they're trying not to laugh. They're being as like suck. professional Stacey as possible. Ferguson, thank you for that. It's like Great sing the song, man. Just fucking sing the yeah, song. I believe it was Christina. Was it Christina yeah, Aguilera? Yeah, she messed it up. That she, messed it up, and ever the since Super then, Bowl, like they she did the words wrong. And ever since then, like they pre-recorded. They like, that was a Patriot Super Bowl. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's, we well, got half the yeah. odds to be in the last twenty years. So. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no, so like whatever artists that, that they pick, like one of their shows on tour, they'll actually record a live rendition of it. So like when they just randomly do like the uh, the anthem, it's like, oh, going well, to Super Bowl this year. Well, that's like the halftime shows and stuff. They, a lot of it's pre-recorded. Yeah. Because it was a huge thing when um, Red Hot Chili Peppers did it. They, it was like, oh my god, the amps aren't plugged in or the guitars aren't plugged in. And he's like, yeah, because we recorded prior to whatever you, you know like the, the pop artists like the katie perry's and the britney spears and whatnot like the way that they whip themselves around like on stage there's no effing way you're holding like a clean uh, tune like when you're doing any of that stuff like i'm sorry i don't care what kind of shape you're in right well it's funny because I, I used to follow a uh, guy he was like a um vocalist from sweden and and he would kind of go into different videos and how 
Like, this is the song singing live, and this is it without the backing track. And it's so different. You know what I mean? It's, mm. it's interesting how much of a, you know, change it is. Like and Christ, how much so, necessary. Because some, some I used to watch a lot on TV back in the day. Like, Britney Spears would be like... <laughs> yeah. like it's like, you can't possibly be telling me That's that. That's like me trying to sing while play drums. I can't do it. My, my voice box and arms are confused. Oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go. I, have to, I have to like stop and be like, just oh. like anything else, reality TV can't be trusted. <gasps> anyway, number four, Mo- number six, close. Oh, up. close. <laughs> uh, with music, chronic pain can be reduced and depression can be alleviated. Agree. Uh, body and soul react. Even the heartbeat adapts somewhat to the rhythm of the music. I don't know how I feel about the chronic pain part, but can relate. That's true. Can confirm. <laughs> now that Maybe is I'm what just... I call heartfelt music. Oh. I see what you did there. I didn't do it. I can't do it. Yeah, I wrote this. Gross. Thanks, T-Blog. <laughs> uh, number seven, Axel Rose is a quirky stage name because it's an anagram. Just put the letters in the right order, and the result is oral sex. Mm. The real name of the Guns N' Roses frontman is obviously William Bailey. But Very clever. I, I never thought of that. Yeah, I, I figured I, Axel Rose because they're Guns N' Roses. Yeah, I could. And I Axel could, was the badassest name they could think of in the eighties. I could unlearn that fact and be totally happy with my life. And now, <laughs> now he's just stupid. And now he's dumb. Um. So number eight, that, rock and roll meets wildlife. Termites love rock music. According to the Australian researchers, they eat wood twice as fast when they're exposed to heavy metal music. They're probably scared. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which way we're going, but get us out of here. Right. So I give it the vibrations in the wood encourage them to nibble at high speeds. Try this with your lunch when you're in a hurry. Hmm. Well, that, it's like the opposite of the shark thing. Remember when Kiss did the the yeah. concert for sharks? Like yeah. you know that all fish hate loud noises, right? Yeah. So like, I mean, if you bleed in the water, you'll probably attract them, but the noise is not something that attracts them. Mm-hmm. Any any. Amphibian, they're like, what the fuck's that? Yeah, like, all, going around, like, I guess I'll, I'll move. All we learned that <laughs> a bunch of sharks here. hate kiss. <laughs> that, that too. I didn't know I was a shark. No, I was kidding. <laughs> uh, so, fun fact, and even a weirder fun fact, because Tina Turner is in the inductee in the Hall of Fame, uh, music by Tina Turner is used in Gloucestershire? Probably Gloucestershire? I'm going to go with Gloucestershire. Sure. A UK airport to scare birds away from the runway. <laughs> the song of the soul icon are blasted. I'm sorry, the songs as a deterrent around the clock. You think they have like like somebody like was in the air traffic control room and Fuck they're like, hate Tina Turner. like, what are we gonna do? And they're like, hey, just grab a CD and put it on the intercom and put it out there. Like, what do we have? Ah, my wife's car today. Tina Turner. <laughs> like, so, to follow along with this, and we brought up Metallica and, and the military and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so, the year is 1989. The dictatorial ruler of Panama, General Norija, I'm going to assume that's wrong, uh, takes refuge in the message of the Vatican. For two days, the U.S. military bombarded him with 24 hours a day with the song ACDC, Highway to Hell. <laughs> and, he, and he surrendered as the DFB Cup. Has proven in Frankfurt, this can also work with Helen Fisher, I guess. To be fair, if I had to listen to that song on a loop, too, I'd probably... I mean, most songs would be fair, but like Highway to Hell by ACDC over and over and over. It's like, all right, I give up. 
<laughs> yeah, anything ACDC over and over. You just get me halfway <laughs> through it. Like, hey, just just take me, dude. Just, you win. Fine. Like, it's not worth it to me. <laughs> at, least, at least play the next track. Get me off of this song. He's gonna have like severe PTSD from that afterward. Every time like, it comes flip, out, he's like, oh. flipping through your radio station, dude, oh. just drives into a Jersey barrier oh. to shut it off. Like, oh man. Ah, good job, Anthony. Yeah, you're right. the man, sir. I have a fun fact too, but it's not music related. That's up to you if you want to hear. Well, on a cliffhanger like that, how can we say no? <laughs> Next week. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then they just won't care. And it was from a, a, another podcast I was listening to when it came up, but I found interesting and to do with, with the brain and how it works. So evidently they have these goggles that turn everything upside down. There's a name for them, but you put them on and it turns everything completely up, you know, inverted. Oh, so, upside downies. Uh, yes. So, <laughs> no, those are backwards brownies. It's different. Oh. Uh, so, evidently, this guy wore this for three months straight. Like, the upside down goggles. Three months straight. And evidently, his eyes and his brain, like, fixed it. And everything, he woke up one day and everything was back to normal. Like, his eye, his brain was like, we gotta figure this shit out. Because something's wrong. And, like, it literally will just, like, change it back. So he could see perfectly straight. When he took the glasses off, everything was upside down again. Because oh, his eyes were so adjusted to the other thing. That's one of those things. It's like, what do, what do you want to do with your life? Yeah, right. So I'm going to trick my brain. I guess after a couple more months of with them off, they finally reverted back to the way they were. The only issue is that now, randomly, they'll just turn upside down. Yeah, so can like you fucking have... imagine just driving? <laughs> just like, oh, you're like, oh, God. Fuck. You're just watching somebody's fucking eyes just fucking flip. Like, oh, no. What, what's the remedy for that? Carrots. Uh, what did you do with your life? I tricked my brain into thinking the world was upside down. That guy weird. must have excellent migraines. <laughs> <laughs> must be horrible. Perfect. All right, Dave, take us home, bud. Well, that's it for us tonight, kids. We are Heavy Metal Over Six Pack, the only place where you can find local, national, international rock metal and beer reviews. That's us talking about the Hall of Fame <laughs> and a couple of couple of heavy metal headlines. Tune into us next week and follow us on everything you have social media wise: the the tweeter, the the book of faces, the Insta Good, the SnapTube. I don't know all that Snap stuff. <laughs> and we will catch you fine people next time. Bye. See ya. Love you. That is the end of this episode. Thank you for tuning in to another exciting episode of Heavy Metal Over a Six Pack Podcast. Marcus, Dave, and Anthony signing off. Check out the podcast at hmoa6pack.automatic.net. Email hmoa6pack at gmail.com. Like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.